Well, we're still moving through our series on the kingdom. It's a pretty big topic. Uh, last week, Josh was talking about the love of God and all that he is. I've been reading a book, which is pretty unusual for me. Jen will tell you. <laughs> Uh, must be 20 years ago or more, Nick gave me this book. Do you recognize it, Nick? Yeah. Um, and uh, Miles Bunro is talking about the kingdom. <coughs> and he's got some interesting things to say. And some of them are interesting, some of them are challenging. Because uh, you can't always believe everything you read in the book, can you? You have to check it out. You have to see what God says. You have to compare things in his word. But I want to start where he starts uh, because I think it's helpful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning of my Bible. That's the start of everything that we understand. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God who is one and yet three, three in one. This mysterious God, complete in himself, not needing anything and yet... He created the heavens and the earth. God by nature is love, but he's created by nature. And he wants to do something. And he made this place that we're standing on. He made... Not only what we're standing on, but we're looking at. He made the plants, we made the sea, he made the land, he made everything that crawls and jumps and skips and flies. He made it all. And then in verse 26 of Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then he repeats their job, to rule to subdue, depending on which translation it could say, to have dominion over. I'm not quite sure how we would have dominion over the birds of the air. Um, or even the fish of the sea. But you need to look it back and see what, what does that word actually mean. Probably our best understanding of what was in God's heart was that we were to manage this place for him. We were to look after the creation that he had made.
God is spirit. And yet what he made is physical, isn't it? You know, you can feel it. You, know? you trap your finger in the door and you know it. It's real. So God's original intent, Mars suggests, is that he wanted man and woman to manage, to rule, to have dominion over this creation that he had made. But how does man know what to do? Because God's heart was that he managed it in a way that was consistent with God's character, with God's ideas, with God's desires for things. Because he'd made it. He was in charge. It's his stuff. So his desire is that through the relationship that man has with the Father, by the Spirit of God, man gets to know what to do, how to manage, how it all should all work, what to do day after day after day to look after the stuff that God has made. It's quite good, isn't it? It's quite simple, really. You just have this wonderful communication between us and the Father, or between Adam and Eve and the Father. So they knew what to do and how to look after the stuff. But of course then we get a little bit further on in the story and we get the fall, don't we? We get it where man and woman decide to go their own way and that relationship is broken. So no longer have they got that relationship that enables them to hear clearly, to have the Spirit of God with them to know exactly how to manage things and what to do. <coughs> the other thing to notice, I noticed, was that he says that we're to rule over fish and birds and livestock and all the earth and every living creature, but there's no mention of man having dominion or rule over another man or man over woman. That's interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Mars suggests in his book that the conflicts in the history of the earth are all generated through the desire of man to rule over man. The desire for power, the desire to be in charge, the desire to oppress all come from this thing, which was not part of God's original plan. In fact, even if you think about the history of Israel, when God said to Abraham he was going to create something out of his family that would be a representation amongst the nations for him, how did he set it up? He set it up as a family unit. And we read that through Moses as well, don't we? 
Because eventually, the people of Israel turned their backs on God's desire and they wanted a king for themselves. And we know where that led them. Interestingly, even when you get to the church and the pattern for the church, and those who are asked to lead the church, Jesus specifically says, you are not to rule each other. Everyone is equal in the kingdom of God. Everyone is equal. There is no hierarchy here. Harps back to the plan that God had at the beginning. But having all gone wrong and gotten a mess, God had a plan, which we know. The plan was to send Jesus to restore all things. Restore, that means bring it back in line with God's plan. So we're going to bring it back in line with God's plan. In fact, Jesus said, John 10.10, he says this, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That you may have life and have it to the full. The full experience of the plan of God for each human being. Matthew records that Jesus began to preach. And he said first, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the first sermon that we hear him preach is recorded in Matthew 5, isn't it? The Sermon on the Mount. And the first phrase that we read is, the poor in spirit will get what? The kingdom of heaven will be theirs. The third thing we read is that the meek shall receive an inheritance. What's the inheritance? The earth. Again, we're going back to this original plan. That the meek, part of God's plan will be. And moving forward, of course, we have, at the end of time, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. A place where men and women can exercise the role and the plans of God, the things that he has for us to do. And we all wonder, don't we, what it's going to be like in heaven. Or are we going to be in heaven? Or actually, we're we going to be in the new earth? And is that where we're headed? Mars suggests, actually, that the Bible doesn't say we're going to heaven. It says heaven will come down to earth, and we will be in the earth. This new earth that God is creating, that is going to be the restoration of the things that he started to do. A lot to take in, isn't it? A lot to think about. 
But there are some things in Genesis that we don't get a flavor of about God's plan until we get into the New Testament. And we hear some of the revelation that he gives to his apostles. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says that we are chosen for sonship. John, Paul, and Peter all talk about us being members of God's family, of us being adopted, of us being sons and daughters of God. Writing to the Galatians, Paul says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are. If you have faith in Jesus, if you've put your heart and your life at his disposal, then you are a son or a daughter of the living God. You're in the family. So what does it mean to be a son or daughter of the living God? That's really what I'm asking this morning. What does it mean to be a son or a daughter? I want to read a little bit from Romans. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear... But he received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So what are the things that we have as sons and daughters? We've heard already that we have no place for fear in our lives, either about things now or about the future, because our future is secure. We have security in the truth and the knowledge of God that he has prepared a place for us, for everyone who has his name written in the book. And the names get in the book by faith in Jesus Christ. What else do we have? talks about us being able to cry, Abba, Father. What's that about? That's about knowing God in such a way that you can cry out to your dad. That you can be close to your dad. That you can have intimacy, conversations and feelings that just between you and him because he is your dad. talks about us being free 
You see, everyone who hasn't experienced the faith of Jesus and given themselves to him is actually a slave of this world. They're a slave to sin, they're a slave to the ruler of this world who took over when Adam and Eve sinned. That is the enemy of God. But as you step through faith into this family, you are set free from that slavery. And you're free now to do the will of God, to receive all that he has for you, And you're free to allow nothing to have dominion over you. That's why Paul talks about treating our sin harshly because God's intention is that our sin should not have dominion over us. We're free to walk in his ways, to delight him with the things that we do. And knowing what we're like, of course, he has put in place... Things whereby when we do trip up, when we do sin, or when he shows something in our lives that we hadn't realized that we were doing, that is not quite as he would have it. He says, confess it, and I'll forgive it. And then you're free from it. You see, it's only when when we hold things to ourselves, or we keep quiet about stuff that God already knows about, but we keep quiet about it, It becomes a trap for us. But when we share it with him and sometimes helpfully with one other person, there's freedom released. In fact, John writing, he says, Jesus said this, he says, if you're set free by Jesus, you are set free indeed. It's not half a job. What about this heirs thing? I wonder what we're going to be heirs of. Hmm. The Father has said, and Jesus told us, and the, the apostles wrote it down, that actually God has placed everything into the hands of Jesus. And my book says that we are going to be co-heirs with Jesus. So does that mean that everything that has been handed to Jesus, we actually have become heirs of as well? It does. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. If you think how vast this universe is that he has made, and how wonderful this place is that we're in, I mean, Jenny and I have just had a week in the Isle of Man. We'd never been there before. But... In the centre of the island, you walk through, and it's just like walking through Switzerland, if you've been through Switzerland in the summer. Mountainsides, hills, valleys, absolutely gorgeous. The creativity of God to create the stuff that he's made is absolutely incredible. And we are heirs. Do you know, we're chosen, he said. We're chosen to be. Does that make you feel valued? Make you feel special? Because you have been chosen. 
God Almighty, who created all this stuff, saw you, saw my ugly face, and said, I'll have that one. I want him there forever. Wow. We are sons and daughters of the kingdom. We're not slaves of the kingdom. Because he says slaves don't actually know what the master's thinking. And actually they have to do stuff out of duty. But sons and daughters are intimate with the father. They know what he's about. They have rights. And they hear. And they know. One of the other things that sons and daughters receive, of course, is discipline. Or another word for it is training. Does anybody like training? Well, depends what it is. If it's something that interests me, I might be. But it's, if it's something to shape me or to challenge me. But God says, I want to discipline you because I love you. Why because it's for your good. And actually, the writer of the Hebrews says it's not only for our good, but it's so that we share in his holiness. Wow. We share in his holiness. Jesus talks about us being made rich, doesn't he? Paul says the same, writing to some of the church. He says, you've been made rich. Do you realize? And then in 1 Corinthians, let me just read this little bit to you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So after all that stuff, which we're beginning to understand, there is more for us that God has prepared that we haven't even thought of, that we can't even think of. So how does that make you feel? That's the question. Doesn't it, bring it make it, you feel grateful? That's why the gospel that we have and that we're asked to share for the growing of the kingdom is such good news, isn't it? Because it brings all those things into the experience of people who have nothing. Like we had nothing before. In fact, we were condemned. But now, we're sons and daughters. And we have all those things. You see, God wants to fill his kingdom with sons and daughters. So there's not just us there. And the way in is through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And through that we experience the love of God. We get to be led by the Spirit. We're in relationship. We're set free. We have a future. Not only now, but a future as well to look forward to.